0: Uh, we are continuing on with our Stay Regular series today. If you guys were with us the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about um, how regular you is enough. Who you are in this season is enough for who, what God has put in front of you. We are also tying that in with the Christmas story. So we're going to be talking over the next few weeks leading up to the holidays about some of the characters in the Christmas story and how that kind of ties in with this idea of just regular you being enough. I'm going to be preaching on a couple of the characters who um, maybe are a little bit less, <coughs> excuse me, a little bit less well known. So, uh, but some of you guys would know that they are very connected to the story of Jesus' birth, which we will get to later on. Uh, the people that I'm going to be talking about today are Zachariah and Elizabeth. No one's like woo, <laughs> <laughs> guys. They were pretty cool. Uh, So, just to contextualize them to the Christmas story a little bit, Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. So, there is a family relation between Elizabeth and Mary. Elizabeth and Zachariah are very regular people, uh, just like you and I, but you can kind of see as we go through their story how uh, they are so just ordinary. Like, that's why nobody was like, oh yeah, I know who they are. Some of you might have known who they are, but they weren't like these extraordinary, amazing people who did amazing things in the Bible. They were just ordinary people. And so we can learn a lot about how we can be ordinary and still do what God has put in front of us from them. So the, really, the thing that really stuck out to me that you can see in their story is that You get to see the big picture of what God is doing through their lives. And he uses regular people all throughout scripture. So we're going to read in the first part of the story in Luke chapter 1. If you guys have your Bibles, we'll start at verse 5 and we'll make our way to 25. Pray for my voice. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame, according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. When his division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense." at the hour of incense the whole assembly of the people was praying outside an angel of the lord appeared to him standing at the right of the altar of incense when zachariah saw him he was terrified and overcome with fear but the angel said to him do not be afraid zachariah because your prayer has been heard your wife elizabeth will bear you a son you will name him john there will be joy and delight for you and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the lord and will never drink wine or beer he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of the Lord, or sorry, children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in, spirit, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous, and to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel, for I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years." The angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you to tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them. Then they realized he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He was making signs to them and remained speechless. When the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, the Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. Excuse me. So what do we know about these two regular people? Zachariah and Elizabeth they were elderly we know that it says they were well along in years so they weren't spring chickens anymore (laughs) They um, Both were connected to the temple so Zachariah was a priest and his wife Elizabeth was the daughter of a priest So they kind of had this history of being a big part of serving in the temple at that time They uh, have been unable to have children, so it says that now they're kind of past that point, right? They didn't have children when they were young, and now it's kind of like the door is shut on that stage of life. Zechariah has faithfully served the Lord in the temple all of his life. And actually, kind of a fun fact is that if you were uh, chosen to go into the temple to burn incense, like Zechariah was, that was kind of a -a once-in-a-lifetime thing. It was like such a high honor that if you were chosen, you were like, that was it. You were kind of like, that was your moment that you got to do that thing. Some people went their entire lives without ever getting chosen to go into the temple. So he's old, he's elderly, and this is his very first time ever getting chosen to go into the temple. So his life hasn't been like this big, exciting thing. It was like his one thing happened when he was quite old. So uh, it says that he was able to go into the temple, and he encounters an angel who tells him, you're going to be a father. And I'm sure at this point he was thinking, that's impossible. I am very old, and my wife is very old. But the angel tells him, not only are you going to be a father, but your son is going to do these amazing things. Your son is going to make the way for the Messiah. Your son will be named John. Some of you guys know the John that they're talking about is John the Baptizer, who we read about later on. And then Zachariah has some questions. He's a regular person. And just like if you were in this position where an angel was telling you something similar, you'd probably have some doubts. And so he says, how can this be? Like, how can I look at me? Look at my wife. Like, do you know who you're talking to? And he almost asks for proof. He's like, I just want proof that this is going to happen, that what you've said is going to come to pass. And the angel Gabriel, he sees the lack of faith in Zachariah, and maybe there's a heart issue there. And he's like, well, I was just standing in the presence of God, and I'm an angel, literally standing before you. I don't know what more proof you really need. You know, I feel like at this point, the angel's just like, really? Like, do you see angels every day? Is this why, you know, this is just so common for you? He's like, I was just with God, and he told me to come here and tell you this. But since that's not enough proof for you, I'm going to make it, we are going to make it so that you cannot speak until your son is born. That will be a reminder to you of what happened here today. So in the end, Elizabeth becomes pregnant even though she's elderly. But what really stood out to me about these two regular people and their story is that God used them for something pretty amazing, despite the fact that they were very regular and ordinary. I also noticed that there are two different types of purpose that are mentioned here. And as I was kind of preparing my sermon today, I was like, man, the one that we think about the most is not the only kind of purpose that there is. So in honor of our sermon series, I'm going to call these two different types of purpose, regular purpose and irregular purpose. Regular purpose, uh, kind of just created this definition, is to the day-to-day faithfulness of walking with the Lord. It is doing the things that God has put in front of you every day for His glory. Definitely don't forget that last part, for His glory. It's the time where God gets to build something in you and help grow your character, It also is where you grow in obedience, diligence, and relationship with Jesus in all the little moments. The second type of purpose, irregular purpose, is the moments where you know God is doing something out of the ordinary in your life. This is something where it maybe feels like the jumping off a cliff moment, where you're just like, you're standing there and you're looking at what God has put in front of you, and you have this decision to make. Am I going to be obedient? Maybe it's a little bit scary and intimidating, but just as regular purpose requires obedience, so does irregular purpose. But this is where we get to see the fruit that has developed in the regular. The character that God has built in us. So while we were in the regular day-to-day, pursuing Jesus, growing in all these things, he was preparing us for something. And the irregular purpose is where we get to see the fruit of that. God knows that if we are faithful in the regular, we will be faithful in the irregular. Neither of these types of purpose are better than the other. It's not like, wow, regular purpose is so much more important, or irregular purpose is so much more important. But the nice thing is, is that it ties in with our series really well, because regular you is enough for the regular purpose as well as the irregular purpose. So we're going to talk about regular purpose first. This is the day-to-day faithfulness, just as a reminder. It's walking with God. It's how you live your life. It's how you respond to the people around you. It's the way that you are in relationship with your kids, with your spouse, with your friends, with your neighbors. It's that character that's being built in us. It's how you love people. It's spending time with the Lord in prayer and asking, um, asking him to reveal his truth to you through his word. So it's this idea of this growing, this developing. It's the regular day where you wake up and you ask Jesus to give you his eyes to see the things that he has put in front of you. Pastor Maria encouraged me to do this uh, last week or the week before, I don't even know. But everything's just blending together. (laughs) Christmas. Um, So he, he wants to show you things the way that he really sees them right? We have this perspective sometimes of what life looks like, and we're like, this is, you know, this is reality. But what God wants to do is he wants to give you supernatural eyes to see, right, in the regular day-to-day. We might actually see the regular purpose as kind of boring. We might be like, this is kind of lame, you know, just getting up every day extra early to make sure I can read my Bible, you know, that's not, like, something you really, like, post on Instagram. You're not like, woohoo, got up at 5 a.m. Like, you're usually more excited about these big moments, these things that you can kind of tell people and show people that God is doing in your life. We can even kind of skim over the regular when reading our Bible. When we're reading about these characters in the Bible, we're kind of like, yeah, yeah. So I know y'all have skipped through numbers. You guys haven't read numbers. <laughs> I haven't either. It's okay. Um, So it is. It's where there's that regular, it's the building, it's the the background behind who a person is. We see this in kind of our social interactions, too. We see, like, when you run into someone you haven't seen in a while, you'll be like, oh, yeah, like, hey, what's new? You know what I mean? Like, we want to know what's new. We want to know what's exciting. We're not like, so how was your Bible time this morning? Like, tell me about you know, all the journaling, you know, like, we're not really like that. And it's okay. Like, we're not trying to downplay either side. But this, we can learn something through the day-to-day faithfulness that we have in relationship with God, through the regular purpose. We see regular purpose many times throughout Scripture. There's a lot of people who have done some pretty cool things for God that you would look at in, in Scripture, and you'd be like, wow, this person is someone to look up to. And often we will kind of skim over the background information, that regular day to day stuff. We see it in the life of Noah, like probably one of the more well known characters in the Bible. Lots of people know about Noah, even if they've never been in a church. Noah was the man who God was like, Build an ark, you and your family are going to go onto the ark along with two of every animal, and then the whole world's going to flood. Those are the things that we tend to think about when we think about Noah. But what was Noah doing before the flood? Genesis 6, 8-10 says that Noah found favor with the Lord. These are the family records of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries. Noah walked with God, and Noah fathered three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So it says here Noah found favor with the Lord. He was righteous. He walked with the Lord, and he was a father doesn't really sound like he was too extraordinary, right? Like if you really don't, if you take the flood out of it, like take this big event and just kind of put it in the back burner for a second. Noah was faithful. Noah fathered three sons and raised them. Noah was married. Noah was righteous. He walked but with the Lord. And so it's this idea of Noah's faithfulness, was in his regular purpose and it prepared him for what god had for him next this irregular purpose that god was going to give to him what about another well-known person in the bible king david right again lots of people know about who king david is you've heard about him throughout history he was pretty like well known even um, in the israelite culture they would talk about him all the time but where was king david before he was king of israel he was a shepherd boy right? He just, every day, woke up super, super early, went out to the fields and tended his father's flocks. He watched the sheep. He protected them from the predators. He was the youngest of eight boys. So really, I don't know if you guys know uh, kind of about how it would have worked at that time, but when you were the youngest son, you were kind of like, meh. If the other seven die, you get stuff, I guess. I don't know. He was the youngest, He was kind of at the bottom of the totem pole. His regular purpose was to be faithful with what God had put in front of him that day. He was supposed to watch over the sheep, make sure they were safe, and praise the Lord. He always had his harp with him too. So he was just kind of chilling, worshiping Jesus and protecting the sheep. This prepared him for his irregular purpose. Just as a side note, he learned how to fight off like bears and lions and all these different things, which I'm sure helped him when he was leading armies. We always want to talk about the mountaintop moments, and we forget to celebrate the regular purpose in a person's life. Faithfulness is a little bit less eye-catching. Like we don't really see it as something where you're like worth celebrating. You hardly even notice it half the time. And it can even be harder to see when reading in the pages of Scripture because we tend to be looking for these big moments and we skim over the quieter things that are more subtle. Like just now when we were reading about Zechariah, we were like, okay, yep, he was a priest. Wow, 25 verses is a lot. Why is she doing it all at once? You know what I mean? Like we're kind of like, get to the good part, come on. Like what happens? What's the thing that you're going to be talking about? And we skim over... The regular obedience and the day-to-day faithfulness that Zachariah and Elizabeth displayed in their daily lives. It's very evident, actually, um, back in that time, they would have been in a community. They would have had people who were their neighbors, just like us, very similar. They would have probably cared for people who needed things in their community. They probably had people come to their home for meals. They had family and friends around them. They probably worked on their marriage because they were married, so you need to work on your marriage if you're married. If you don't, that sucks. Um, But they probably worked on their marriage, right? Everybody has conflict in their marriage, so they had that relationship. So it makes sense that they were like, yeah, there were probably days where they got out of bed and they were like, pfft, Zachariah. What a turd. Um, But they lived regular lives and they probably had a lot of questions, right? Like at that time, if you guys know kind of in Jewish history, the people at that time, if they didn't have children, it says at the end of what we read, there was shame and disgrace upon them, which is not okay, just as a side note, but that's how it was. If you didn't have, if you were unable to have children, that was kind of your one purpose as a woman in that culture, and to raise them. But if you were unable to have them, it was like this whole like heart-crushing thing, and not only that, but they had no um, protection for when they were aging, they didn't have someone to take care of them now because if their husband passed away, they were pretty much just on their own. And so this was pretty hard. They probably questioned God and they said, like, God, like we've been faithful. Like we've pursued you. We've worked in the temple. Like we love you. We've never stopped trusting you. We've never turned our backs on you. They were just these regular people that had questions about why life didn't go the way that they planned. And they probably had to fight discouragement, just like us sometimes. But during their whole lives together, God was building something in them. He was creating them into people who would be able to take on this irregular purpose that he has for them, that they don't know anything about. The faithfulness that they developed in the midst of kind of not seeing what, they, what he had for them, it ne- they needed that. They needed to grow in obedience. They needed to grow in dedication and perseverance. They needed these character traits to be able to do what God has given them to do. If you choose any discipline, like it's e- an easy one is working out. If you work out two times a month, are you faithful to your exercise routine? No. It takes time It takes dedication to be faithful to something. When you are um, working out, I don't even know, like three times a week, you could probably consider yourself faithful to something because you've committed to doing that thing on a regular basis. But we can't just skim through all of the dedication and the building that that takes and just skip to the results. It just doesn't work. Maybe, Maybe you have some magic way. I don't actually, I don't know. But it takes patience, and we, don't, we can't rush through the regular. We can't rush through the routine, we can't rush through the building that happens to get to this big, irregular, exciting thing. It just doesn't work. Zachariah and Elizabeth kept being faithful in the midst of not seeing the outcome that they desired, and not seeing the result. They persevered year after year, even knowing that what they wanted wasn't going to happen especially as they got older imagine how heartbreaking that would have been you know and when it gets to the point where it's not even physically possible anymore and you still have to keep going that was where they were at but these it's this day-to-day faithfulness of walking with the Lord doing the God, things that God has put in front of you for his glory it was that was what they were doing they were being faithful walking in obedience and diligence and in relationship with Jesus Then there's this topic of irregular purpose. This is the moment, again, where you can see that God is doing something that is out of the ordinary. This is like something where you wouldn't see this happen in your life every single day. There's this irregular purpose seen in where Moses was spoken to by God through a burning bush. I highly doubt that that was like the eighth time that that had happened to him. This was like this big moment. It was irregular. And then you see it again in Esther, in the story of Esther, she's, she's almost like pushed into the situation where now she has to go before King Xerxes, who was this very powerful, quite terrifying man, who could at any moment just have her killed because he didn't actually ask her to come in. But she knows she has to go and talk to him in order to save the Israelite people. She has this irregular purpose given to her. This wasn't an everyday thing. And we can kind of read these stories in scripture and we can say like, look at these people. Wow, they were like superheroes. How did they do that? They were like so amazing and we can become almost awestruck by them. Looking and reading through and seeing the big things that they did. And we can almost start to kind of put them on a pedestal in our minds. I actually feel like we also do this outside of Scripture with other believers sometimes. Sometimes we put them on a pedestal. Maybe we go to like some conference and we see a missionary speak or a pastor speak. And they share stories about all the things that God has done in their lives or in their ministry. And you're just like, man, how did they get like that? That is beyond anything I could ever do right? And you might start to question, why hasn't God used me like that? You might be tempted to start to compare yourself with other people. You might think, I'm just a regular person. I'm just normal. I'm not like crazy amazing like those people. They're like a superhero. I've been there. Sometimes we go to these conferences, and the bigger the conference, it seems the more impressive the speakers are, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, like I didn't even know you could level up to that point, you know, like, and you're just like, how, how did they get like that? And our own view of success can often become skewed. We start to think like, I'm inadequate, I'm not good enough for what God has put in front of me, because all these people are doing such amazing things. Look at all the hype, look at the lights, look at the music, look at the way that they're speaking. Look, they didn't even have to look at their notes once. Just being honest about how I feel, right? (laughs) But we start to value numbers, and we start to think that hype is what success is. We look at these big, mountaintop moments, And then we think, how can I even be effective in ministry? How can I even be successful when I see someone like that and they're doing all these things I could never do? And that kind of starts to paralyze us a little bit, doesn't it? We start to think, I may as well not even try because I can't do what they're doing. One time we went to a conference, this was before COVID. Have you ever heard that saying, like, this story doesn't age well? It's like this pastor spoke, and then I look back on it, and I'm like, he was like, he just didn't know there was a pandemic coming, so it's not his fault. But we were at this conference, and one of the speakers came from a big city somewhere in Ontario. Um, And so we're at this conference, and he's preaching about how big cities are where it's at. He's like if you are from a small town church, it's probably time to start thinking about relocating. We have lots of church plant opportunities in big centers. And the rural churches, that's not where it's at anymore because people don't want to be in small towns. Everyone is moving towards the big cities. And I was just like, what? Are you saying that everyone who's in a small town doesn't have value? You know, like that what they're doing isn't also important for the kingdom of God. And so I was just like, what? But he didn't know. But what God knew, which is that actually there has been a huge influx of people from big cities coming to smaller communities since the pandemic happened. And so it's this idea. And again, I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm just saying there is value in both. And we really can't compare what this person is doing, and the mission that God has given them with our mission. I started to feel a little inadequate. I felt a little insignificant. I was like, well, this guy, he was asked to speak at this conference. You know what I mean? Like, like clearly he knows what he's talking about. Why would they ask him to speak if he didn't know? And then I'm like, I'm just a youth pastor from Castlegar." And some of my insecurities came up. Maybe you guys don't have the same insecurities as I do. But regardless, compa- comparison can be so dangerous. And the other thing is, is that oftentimes when someone is speaking on a stage, they're sharing the mountaintop moments. They're sharing their irregular purpose with you. They're not saying, "Yes, yeah, so I woke up this morning at 5. And I'm just going to read you what I read, and then we're just going to move on. Like, usually, when you go to these conferences and you see these missionaries or whatever, they're sharing the exciting things, which is, like, amazing. And there is a purpose to that. But we can often start to compare our regular purpose, which is our day-to-day faithfulness, with someone else's mountaintop moments. And we can start to think, God, like, you don't use me like that. But he does, and he will. I think it's great and important to encourage believers that are doing what God has put in front of them. I love that that guy is able to go to conferences and speak, but we should never compare ourselves with what someone else is doing and think that that makes us less. We are all regular. Even when we are asked to do the irregular, We are still regular. So when someone is sharing something that is this big moment, the one that gets the glory is God. God doesn't see success the same as we do. He values the ministries no matter how many people come. He wants us to just follow Him, be obedient to what He has put in front of us. Not because of the hype and the glory that we get, but because he wants us to be obedient with what he has put in front of us that day. And it can be so encouraging, right? Like when we hear these stories that people share, it can be great. Like I'm not trying to downplay any of that. It can be very faith-building. It can be very exciting. It can encourage us to jump into something. And those things have a purpose. But that does not mean that we should think of ourselves as less than, just because we haven't jumped into that thing yet. Or maybe that thing's not for us. Maybe God has something else for you. Zachariah and Elizabeth went their entire lives never having an irregular purpose given to them until they were elderly. It wasn't like there was just all these moments. Like sometimes I think we look at other Christians and we think they just went from mountaintop moment to mountaintop moment all their entire lives. Never a dull moment. But they went their entire lives, continuously being faithful, never having an irregular purpose given to them. And then the angel appears, right? And suddenly, it's this, again, Zachariah had never been in the temple like this before. So now he's there, and this angel has appeared to him, and never before has he been given such a big part to play. It's not like he had all these moments all the time in his life. He is going to be the father of the man who will make the way for Jesus. Like, that is a huge, monumental, out-of-the-ordinary purpose. It's not something that happened to Zachariah every day. So he gets to, he hears from this angel, he gets told, um, reminded about John's life, about who he would be. And there's a prophecy in Isaiah 40, Verse 3, there's prophecies about the coming Messiah there, but there's also prophecies about John the baptizer. It says in Isaiah 40, verse 3, a voice of one crying out, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Back in this day, Zechariah was a priest, so he would have memorized all of these prophecies. He would have known what this angel was talking about, really what the significance of this was going to be. And the angel reminds him of the prophecy in Luke 1.17. Elizabeth and Zachariah's son John would turn many people's hearts to the Lord. He would prepare the way for people to hear about forgiveness, to hear about who Jesus would be. Zachariah, being an elderly man who has had no sign of hope his entire life that he would ever father a child, Now, all of a sudden, not only does he get the opportunity to have a son, to have a person who would help take care of his wife, who who would be their kind of contingency for later, but also, he gets to raise a man who would make the way for the coming Messiah. This is his irregular purpose. This is Zachariah's big, out-of-the-ordinary moment. So this is kind of what I'm talking about. These things, they don't happen every day where it's like this big moment where you have to make a big choice. And we tend to be very hype-driven as a Christian culture. But we should also equally desire a life of continuous faithfulness, continuously walking with the Lord and being obedient in the small things. There is no ask that God can make that is below us. If God asks you to give a little kid a hug, you better not think that you're too good for that or that that's not a big moment or a big enough thing. Not everybody will have huge, important, superhuman callings because we are just regular people. Oftentimes, we're in a regular marriage, raising our kids in our regular little small town Raising them to know Jesus in our regular church. And we cannot compare ourselves. Not because God doesn't have something like that for you. Not because there isn't some irregular purpose that he will bring into your life. But because in the regular, you will be preparing for whatever that is. And comparison is dangerous. God will bring us to the point of doing these irregular things. If you are obedient to him in everything, when he has something for you, he'll, you'll know. You won't have to go looking for it. You won't have to wonder, why hasn't this happened yet? Zechariah and Elizabeth were elderly. They had waited their entire lives for something big from God. We can trust that He will direct us and strengthen us in both of these types of purpose. And the only thing that we have to do is be obedient and faithful. And He will bring those things to us. So I asked myself the question, <clears throat> why do we tend to put so much emphasis on these mountaintop, out-of-the-ordinary, irregular moments, and not so much on the regular day-to-day faithfulness. Elizabeth and Zachariah, they didn't get to see the whole outcome of what they, what had, God had promised. Often we want to see, right? We want to see the outcome of our ministry. We want to see evidence. We want to see that God is doing something big. I don't know if that's necessarily, if it's pride, I don't know what it is, but I feel like sometimes we like to be able to be like This is what I did. This is what God did through my life. He's using me. We want evidence. And I'm not saying evidence is a bad thing. You should see evidence of God's work in your life. You should definitely see that. But when we are faithfully serving the Lord and living for him, we should see evidence in our character. Not just in these big things that we get to be a part of, but who you are. Who you are should change. And we don't always like to hear that. Sometimes we're like, who I am is great. I don't know what you're talking about. But love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are what should be growing in you. I guarantee you, every person in this room has one, at least one, of those that they struggle with. When I read through that list, I feel very convicted Because there's times where I'm not very gentle. There's times where I'm not very kind. You know, there's times where I'm not very loving or patient. But when Jesus is in you, when you have the Holy Spirit, there should be evidence of those things growing in your life. That is the evidence that we should look for. And again, not trying to diminish these big moments. But that isn't proof of success. Success is found in a relationship with Jesus in allowing him to transform your heart. Because I guarantee you, if you change, the world around you will change. That's how you can have impact. Sometimes we get it backwards. We think, if I could just do the big things, if God would just give me something crazy, and I would be obedient to it, and I would jump into it, and then the world around me would change. But God's like, "No, just be with me. Let me change you. Let me work on the things inside you that are holding you back. Let me develop something in you." Yes, we should desire to see people saved. Absolutely. What is our faith if there's no action behind it? We should desire to see people saved, but that comes from a place of genuine relationship with Jesus and allowing him to work on our hearts and change us from the inside. The other thing is, the Holy Spirit is not for us to control. We cannot channel him. We cannot control what he does. We can't make him bend to our will. We can prepare ourselves to be used by him. We can be obedient so that God will fill us. But we don't say, if I just do A, B, and C, then I will be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not controlled by us. He's God. It's a partnership that comes from our, our obedience and faithfulness to the Lord. And when we are obedient and faithful, the Holy Spirit will fill you. He will choose to fill you. But we should be just as encouraged by believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit, growing in the fruits of the Spirit, and seeing their communities changed around them. It's a little more subtle, because sometimes the irregular is a little more eye-catching, like we said. And again, not trying to say one is better than the other, or we shouldn't try to even do anything big. If God puts it in front of us, we should just not do it. But we might have to get more comfortable with trusting that God sees the whole picture, he sees the outcome of our faithfulness. He sees the outcome of our obedience. Zachariah and Elizabeth, they lived their whole lives. They were elderly when they had their son. I guarantee you, they did not get to see the complete fulfillment of everything he would do and how that would impact us for the rest of history. Again, he's not Jesus, but he did have a part to play. And they didn't get to see it all. They had to trust that God knew the outcome. It reminds me of a verse, Romans uh, 8, 28. It says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. He will work things out, right? We don't have to work things out. We don't have to see the fruit. We don't have to know everything that's going to happen because of one decision to be obedient and faithful to God. We don't need to always see evidence. Sometimes God is gracious and he gives us a glimpse. Sometimes we get to see the impact that we're having and sometimes we might not. We might be the ones planting the seeds and someone else might get to see the harvest. But we might have to be okay with trusting God with all the little things that we do that we're obedient to and the faithfulness that we're putting in Zachariah and Elizabeth got to see pieces. And then you can tell after Zachariah is able to speak again, so his son is born, suddenly he's able to speak. You can tell that he's had a lot of time to think. And I mean, I'm sure we would too if we were completely unable to talk for nine months. But his first words as he's able to speak again in Luke 1, 67 to 80, it says then his father Zechariah was filled with the holy spirit and prophesied blessed is the lord the god of israel because he has visited and provided redemption for his people he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant david just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us he has dealt mercifully with our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant that we, having been rescued from the hand of our enemies, would serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in his presence all of our days. So that's all about Jesus. And then he goes into talking about John. And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. The child grew up and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Zechariah and Elizabeth were able to give birth to their son, John. They raised him for multiple years was probably pretty difficult in their old age, but they did it. And even though they didn't get to see the fulfillment of everything, they still trusted in God. And what Zachariah was saying there is he was giving God the glory. He was like, God, you brought this, this son into my life, but it's not because of who I am. I'm just a regular man. He knows. He's had nine months to think about his inadequacy. He's had nine months to wrestle with the fact that he doubted and to remember every single time he tried to say something, that he had doubted what God was going to do. He was just a regular guy, but he's giving God the glory. He's saying, because of you, because of your grace, because of your mercy, we get to be a part of what you're doing. And my son, my son John, you are going to be the one that makes the way for the Lord. But he's not bragging He's not saying, wow, look at all the things that I've accomplished and this is my kid. He's saying, because of who God is, I get to be a part and John is going to be a part of what Jesus is going to do. If you look at their lives, you can see that they were faithful and obedient in the regular purpose and in the irregular purpose that God had for them. And they can, you can see how God is at work, and you can see a glimpse of what he is doing. But I doubt that they ever got to see the full evidence, the full amount of things that God was going to do through the fulfillment of that prophecy. They didn't get to see all of us sitting here today. They didn't get to see thousands of believers for all eternity who got to know who Jesus is but they trusted and they were obedient in whatever God had put in front of them. And that takes a little bit of the pressure off of us because we don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to see everything. Sometimes we might be like, I don't know why God is asking me to do this today. It doesn't really make sense, but it lines up with what he says in his word, and I'm just going to be obedient. I'm just going to call the worship team up. We can get discouraged sometimes. If we look too much at first seeing other people, doing what God has called them to do, and thinking to ourselves, I've never been asked to do anything like that. We might think that they aren't just regular people. It can be really discouraging. Or we can get discouraged from our calling when we try to see everything. We try to see evidence, we try to see how each decision that we're making will impact. And that's not always for us to know. We don't have to see the whole picture. We don't always have to know. That's the good thing about having that trust in the Lord, is that He does see it. He sees from the very beginning, the first moment, to the very last moment. We don't need to see it all. We don't need to understand it all. And we don't have to go looking for our irregular purpose. We don't have to go looking for these moments where we can be a part of something big, where we can jump off and just be like, God, I trust you. I'm going to put my life in your hands. We don't have to do that because God will bring that across our path as we walk faithfully and obediently with him. And it will be for his glory. And if we're already being faithful in the regular, we will have no problem saying yes to the irregular. A Couple of weeks ago, I was at uh, G47 with Laurel and Tanisha and some other, her awesome leaders. If you guys haven't gone to visit, I'm sure you could talk to Laurel about that, it was pretty cool. But after we ran the night and everything, I just felt like we should pray I felt like God had been putting some things on my heart that day and it was a pretty rough day, just getting to see into some things that were pretty heartbreaking in the community. And as we were praying, I kind of got this like, I don't know if you'd call it a vision, but I had this really comforting thought of being in heaven and seeing people there because of our faithfulness. And just knowing that we don't have to know how or when or even be a part of that person's salvation story in their mind doesn't have to be because of us. It isn't gonna be because of us. It will only be because of God and his grace. And I had just this moment of seeing people when I was looking around in my mind, I was just like, man, there's so many people here. And I recognize people. It's not because I'm some great person or Laurel is some amazing, crazy superhero. We all just have to be obedient. We all just have to be faithful, and we all just have to give the glory to God. The enemy would like us to think that your regular purpose is not enough. Helping those in need in your neighborhood. No, doesn't make a difference. Teaching your kids to know the Lord, that's not very big and exciting. Maybe you think, oh, I don't know, I just volunteer once in a while. It doesn't really make a difference. No one notices. The enemy wants you to feel paralyzed by your own feelings of insecurity and inadequacy. Regular you is enough for the season that you are in And just like regular Zachariah and regular Elizabeth, they were enough for what God had put in front of them, it's the same for us. What God has given you to do, he has equipped you for. And he will equip you for what he hasn't yet given you to do. Regular you is enough for the children you have, it's enough for the marriage you have, it's enough for the workplace you're in, it's enough for the community that you're in, It's enough for the friends you have that don't know the Lord. God wants to use regular you and regular me and the whole worship team up here to do the things that he's put in front of us. But the tricky thing about it is trusting that although you might not ever see the outcome, maybe you will, God will work things out according to the good for the good of those who he's called according to his purpose. Serving people is enough. Loving people is enough. Spending time with Jesus is enough. Raising your kids is enough. Being you is enough. And then letting God work on that stuff inside you, like we talked about the fruits of the Spirit. Letting God take that out and refine it and develop you into someone that he can use for something but he's already using you. We have to trust that he doesn't have, we don't have to have it figured out. We don't have to see all of the outcome. We can trust him because he sees it. So don't try to find the irregular purpose. Don't try to stand out. Don't try to be doing these big mountaintop things without God's direction. Just be you. Just walk with Jesus like Noah be faithful like Zechariah, and trust that when it's his timing, he'll put it in front of you. And all you have to do is just trust him and be obedient when he asks. So I'm just gonna pray and then um, the worship team is gonna close us in a song. God, I just thank you for your purpose, Lord thank you that it doesn't have to be something that we would see as big for you to work and for eternities to be changed. God, encountering you can be a part of our regular day-to-day. Being faithful to you can be a part of our regular day-to-day. We are enough for what you've put in front of us, and I thank you God that you want to partner with us. God, I ask that you would strengthen those who feel weak Lord, we, we know that sometimes on our own strength, it can just feel too, like too much. We can get overwhelmed with the desire to just do more for you, to work and work, but God, you just want us to be with you and to be obedient to you, and not to think that we have to change all the things that you've put in us so that we can be more like someone else. God, who you've made each person is necessary to what you're doing here. And we thank you that you will work through us. You will work in us. And that there's going to be people in heaven one day because you chose to partner with us and we were obedient. I ask for each person here, Lord, that you would just give us clarity in our thoughts as we are worshiping you. Help us to just hear from you today all the things that you think about us and how much you love us, Lord. Help us to just be okay with who we are and where you have us in this season and be okay with being faithful in that and being obedient in that. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name.